Well, let me introduce our speaker for this morning. When I began as a college pastor at Grace, uh, Jerry was already one of the college interns. And uh, I was a new pastor. Jerry actually is not that much younger than I am. And uh, so I came in kind of feeling like I needed to pretend like I knew what I was doing. Uh, And uh, what I found very quickly was that Jerry was one of the guys on our team who was so gracious and helpful and encouraging to uh, follow the direction of our church and the college ministry, but also uh, at the same time to kind of help in my newness to say, here's where things belong, here's how uh, we can continue sort of in the path that has been set, but also give room for me to lead. And so I've, I've, I've always been thankful for Jerry, and over the years, Jerry's really become a very close friend. Um, I'm just very grateful for his ministry and his life. Uh, Jerry is going to bring the Word of God to us this morning for a few minutes, so if you would, welcome. All right. Um, Thank you, Matt, for those kind words. I'm just going to actually just jump right into it. Let me read this verse to you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Okay, for many years now, my wife and I, we have kind of been in a remote part of the world being a witness for Jesus Christ, and we have loved it. And we have GBC to thank for it. We are so thankful for all of you. You've loved us. You've supported us. You've cared for us, you have provided for us financially, and you have allowed us to be in that place, and we are so grateful to all of you. Now that we find ourselves back in the States, we are still trying to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Because this verse reminds me that no matter where I find myself, whether it's over there or over here, I am still called to be a witness of Jesus Christ. And I would argue with you this morning that the verse doesn't only apply to a missionary, but it actually applies to anybody Anybody in this room who is a believer in Jesus Christ, that you too are called to be a witness, whether that's here in Brian College Station, or maybe he is asking you to step out in faith and go somewhere else. Okay, now let's be honest. When God asks you to be a witness for Jesus Christ, oftentimes there are risks involved. And at the end of the day, what we all need to ask ourselves is this, is the risk worth it? Okay, is the risk worth it? Now, you'll see here that I am actually taking a big risk um, in this photo. Suzanne and I have only been dating for about a month at this point. We don't know each other super well. And as we're kind of walking through the campus of DTS, our friend says, hey, why don't I take a photo of the both of you standing next to the sign? And I think to myself, well, minimal risk. Just, I just need to look cool. Look cool in the photo. My girl wants to do it. I'm going to take the photo. So we take the photo, and then... After the photo is taken, our friend says, hey, why don't the both of you climb up on top of that sign, jump off of the sign, and I can take a photo of you jumping off. And at this point, the risk factor for me has just kind of increased, okay? I really don't want to do this, but I look at the girl, and the girl wants to do this. And men in the audience, when your girl wants to do something like that, what do you do? Yeah, you do it, of course. So against my better judgment, we both climb up on this sign. And uh, our friend counts down and she says, three, two, one, and we both jump. And look at Suzanne. Okay, she looks amazing. Hands in the air, big smile on her face. 
And what you don't know about Suzanne is this, that growing up, she was always involved with gymnastics. All through college, she was a cheerleader. So she knows how to jump off of things. It's naturally in her. Now, what you can't see is on top of that sign, there's a lot of water. Because all day prior to this photo, it had been raining. And so our friend says, three, two, one, and we both jump off, and my feet slip out from under me. (laughs) Okay? Look at the horror on my face as I am falling to the earth. And we both hit the ground. Suzanne's in perfect gymnastic position. I am, yeah, she sticks the position. I am on the floor in fetal position, curled up. And I'm thinking to myself, was the risk worth it? Was it worth it? Well, a few years later, I actually prevailed, okay? I prevailed. I got the girl. And a few more years later, I got two more blessings. Okay, those are my two children. So for me, the risk was worth it. Okay, we got a good memory out of it. I ended up getting the girl and I got some kids. It's great. I love my life. Okay, but this morning we're going to be talking about the idea of taking a risk and if it's worth it. Okay, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6 this morning. So if you want to turn there, go ahead and turn there. And I just wanted to let you know that as we look at the gospel of Mark, from the very beginning, from chapter 1, Mark is communicating this, that Jesus, he is the hero of the story. He is the hero, and Mark is compelling us, the reader, no matter what the cost, no matter what the risk, you need to be on the side of Jesus, even if it seems like currently the side of Jesus is losing. And this morning, we're going to look at Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look at a guy named John the Baptist who is going to take a risk in being a witness for Jesus Christ. And after we look at it this morning, hopefully we'll see that it's not just John who is taking a risk, but maybe God is actually asking you and I to take a risk for him as well. Now I've asked Matt Morton to come back up here and read the passage to us. Matt's got a good speaking voice, so listen to Matt. Starting in verse 12. They went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing them with oil, and, and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. And King Herod heard of it, for his name had become well known. And people were saying, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others were saying, he is Elijah. And others were saying, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he kept saying, John, whom I beheaded, has risen. For Herod himself had sent and had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death and could not do so. For Herod was afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was very perplexed, but he used to enjoy listening to him. A strategic day came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his lords and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias herself came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. And he swore to her, whatever you ask of me, I will give it to you, up to half of my kingdom. 
And she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in a hurry to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And although the king was very sorry, yet because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests, he was unwilling to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded him to bring back his head. And he went and had him beheaded in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about this, they came and took away his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. All right. Thank you, Bat. Now, after hearing that story, how does that make you feel? Okay, it's kind of a dark story. It's kind of gloomy. Okay, the best of the best, John the Baptist, he takes a step of faith. He takes a risk to be a witness for Jesus Christ, and he gets his head cut off. And that's a huge, huge tragedy. But I would argue with you this morning that the biggest tragedy in the story is actually not that of John the Baptist, but really it's Herod himself. You see, Herod, he was actually very close to the kingdom of God, but he was unwilling to risk just enough. Okay, just unwilling to risk just enough. Because at the end of the day, what he cared about most was the advancement of his own kingdom over the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Before we jump into any more detail, let me give you some background about some of these characters. Okay, first we have Herod. And actually, the Herod in your scripture is actually Herod Antipas. Okay? He was the son of Herod the Great. Okay, Herod the Great, you'll remember from the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. When the wise men came and they said, hey, the king of the Jews is born, where is he? Herod the Great, because he was so threatened by that news that he slaughtered all the baby boys in the land. That was Herod the Great. This guy is Herod Antipas, his son. Okay? Second, Antipas, he's really a tetrarch. He's not a king. We know this from history. Okay? He was actually a tetrarch, which means he governed a fourth of his father's kingdom with the rest of his brothers. So he wasn't really a king. However, he liked really nice things. Okay? He liked to be known as king. Again, we know this from, from Josephus. He liked to wear the nice clothing, have the fine jewelry, have the cool architecture, throw the big parties. He liked to be known as king. And we also know that he was a very shrewd and pitiless man. Okay, and Jesus actually talks about him in the Gospel of Luke. And when Jesus talks about him, he calls him a fox. And that's not a compliment. Okay, our second character I want us to look at here is Herodias. Okay? Herodias was the wife of Philip, Antipas's brother. We know from history that Antipas had convinced Herodias to divorce Philip so that he could marry her. And we also know from history this, that Herodias, she was actually a granddaughter of Herod the Great. Okay, are you beginning to see a little bit of the weird familial situation here? Okay, this very incestuous relationship would have been a high offense to the Jews that Antipas was trying to govern over. And yet it seems like there's only one guy who was willing to take a risk and call the king out on it. And that was John. And we, as the reader of the story, we have to ask at this point, why? Why did John take that risk? Why was that risk worth taking? Now, I don't think John merely confronted the king 
because what he was doing was a moral thing, a, moral, a bad moral issue, although it was. And I don't think John merely confronted the king because what he was doing was unlawful, although it was. And I don't think John merely confronted the king because he was setting a bad example for the people he was trying to rule, although he was. You see, I think what John is doing here is this. He's going into the face of the king and he is saying this. Hey, do you really think that the king of Israel would steal his brother's wife? Do you really think the king of Israel, God's king, the Messiah, the anointed one, do you really think the king of Israel would steal his brother's wife? Because in essence, what he's ever so slightly saying is this. Hey, you're not the king. You are not the king. Because of all people, who would know the king? Well, John, right? Because the real king, it was his cousin. Okay? All of us think we have a cool cousin, but John really had a cool cousin. Okay? He's like the sustainer of life and the creator of the universe. His cousin really was cool. Okay? But at the same time, John is all the more sure of the real king because John got to baptize the king. And when he baptized the king, a dove came down. Okay, and the, the Spirit came down in the form of a dove. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. John knew the king. Now, if you are in the line of the Herods, and someone comes and opposes you to your face and opposes your authority, what do you do with a guy like that? You see, his father, when he felt his authority was threatened, he just murdered all the babies. But we have to give Antipas a little bit of credit here. Look back at verse 20 with me. Okay, look back at verse 20. For Herod was afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was very perplexed, but he used to enjoy listening to him. Okay, Antipas here, he's taking a small risk because he's not killing John. And it says when he used to listen to him, he was very perplexed. And that idea... The, the idea behind the word perplex is this. It's like you're walking down the road. And as you're walking down the road, for, for whatever reason, you all of a sudden stop. You have doubts. You have fears. You just all of a sudden stop. You, you cannot move forward. You are unwilling to take the next step to move forward. You are unwilling to take the necessary risk to move forward. You see, John, Herod knows that John is a righteous and holy man. He knows that. But he doesn't really want to listen to him about him not really being the king. So he doesn't know what to do with him. So he throws him into a hole. He throws him into prison. Okay? Now this very undecisive man, indecisive man, he has a very cold and calculating wife. Okay? And she waits, the scripture says, for a strategic day. Okay, Herod throws this big, big party for himself on his birthday. A huge party. Because that's what king do, kings do, right? He invites all the important people. He's got the, the wine is flowing. Everything is great. And as the party is going on, you can imagine this, this scene. All the important men are there. They're probably drinking a little too much. And Herodias, his wife, she sends in her own daughter 
to go in and dance before the king. Okay, and Herodias is in that room with all those men looking at her, gawking at her. Her stepdad, uncle, really whoever it is, is looking at her and says, you're amazing. I'll give you whatever you want, up to half my kingdom. And so the daughter goes back to her mom and talks it over. And the daughter comes back and she says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Okay, don't miss this part. Look back in verse 25. Immediately she came in a hurry to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And although the king was very sorry, yet because of his oaths and because of his dinner guest, he was unwilling to refuse her. Okay? It says the king was very, very sorry. A better translation for that word is deeply distressed. The only other time that word occurs in the Gospel of Mark is in Mark chapter 14, and it's describing Jesus. Jesus is walking into the garden, and it says that he is deeply distressed because he is about to eventually go to the cross and take on the penalty of my sin and your sin and all of humanity's sin. And the pressure is mounting on him. It's pushing down on him. And he is deeply distressed. In other parts, it says he was sweating blood. He was so distressed. And it's the same word used to describe Antipas here in this story. He is deeply distressed. See, there's a decision to be made. Antipas is on the road. And yet he is in such turmoil. The guy who before couldn't make a decision now quickly makes a decision to go and send off for the executioner. You see, he took a little bit of a risk by not killing John to begin with. He wanted to protect John. But Herodias, she knew. She knew. She knew the thing that he cared most about was looking good in front of other people. She knew that was the one risk he was not willing to take. To look like a fool in front of other people. Remember what it says. And although the king was very sorry, yet because of his oaths and because of his dinner guest, he was unwilling to refuse her. He did not want to look the fool before all of his friends. He said he would do whatever she wanted, and so he did it. He was on the road, and there was a moment to take a risk to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and yet he was unable to. And this morning, what I want to ask you is this. Do you feel, as a Christian this morning, that there are risks that God is asking you to take in order to advance his kingdom? Are there risks that God is asking you to take this morning? I want to do a little bit of a, what we call a risk assessment. Okay? And the first thing I want to ask you is this. Will I risk my convenience? in order to be a witness for Jesus Christ, in order to make him known. Now, convenience, we all love our conveniences. We love them. We love things to be easy for us, okay, especially me. I love being back in this country because if I wake up on Sunday morning and if I don't have milk for my cereal, I just go to H-E-B or Kroger or a gas station and there's milk. It's awesome. But when I was living in it didn't work that way. On Saturday night at 8 p.m., Every grocery store in the country shut down. Actually, everything closed. And the next time it would open would be Monday morning. 
So that means that if I wanted to have food in my fridge for Sunday breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you guys pay attention, okay? That means that I'd have to plan ahead, or my wife would have to plan ahead. We'd have to think through our meals if we wanted to eat on Sunday. And that's highly inconvenient for us. Think ahead? We have to think? We have to think? Highly inconvenient. Okay, now that's a silly example, but in the context of our story, I don't think there was really anything convenient for John going to confront the king. And as you think about yourself, when is the convenient time to go and confront sin in your own life? Or possibly the sin of somebody else. When is the convenient time? This morning you might be sitting here and you might know other Christians, either in your family or in your workplace, or maybe even here sitting next to you at church. And the ways in which they talk and the ways in which they behave and the ways in which they interact with the world at large, they're actually doing more harm for the advancement of the kingdom of God than they are doing for the actual advancement of it. They're doing more of a disservice to Jesus Christ than they are doing a service towards him. And maybe God is asking you this morning, if, if you know him, maybe you are to speak into their life. And when is that convenient time? There really isn't one. Yes, you've got to do it in grace and truth and love, but maybe that's what God is wanting you to do in order to be a good witness for him, to advance his kingdom. Second, I want to ask you this morning, will I risk my comfort in order to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Now comfort, we love our comfort. I love my comfort. I, I love it. But let's be honest. When God is asking us to be a witness for him, sometimes it's just really uncomfortable. Okay, It's really uncomfortable. It's like Matt Morton sitting on the lap of a grown man at Christmas time. It's highly uncomfortable. <laughs> highly uncomfortable. But... I'm not sure Matt was advancing the kingdom of God in that moment. But will you risk that comfort? Okay, here's the funny thing. I think a lot of times in churches, we package ministry in such a way, we put a little bow on it and say, it's awesome. Hey, go sign up for this thing. Let's do it together as a group. Let's sign up for this thing and we'll go and we'll do these things. Matt's actually going to come up and ask you to sign up for some stuff at the end. But here's the deal. When you sign up for something or when you do something, what you are doing is you are involving yourself in the lives of other people. When you are doing the ministry of the Lord, you are involving yourselves in the lives of other people. And the reality is sometimes it's just uncomfortable. Because not only do you have to deal with your own stuff, but now you have to deal with the stuff of other people. Their sin. Your sin. It's, It's messy. It's gross. But if you want to be a witness for Jesus Christ this morning, I want to ask you, are you willing to step out of your comfort zone to be a little bit uncomfortable in order to advance the kingdom of God? Maybe this morning he is asking some of you to go to Greece, to go somewhere else, anywhere in the world, to leave some of these comforts behind and just take on a different lifestyle so that you can be a witness for Jesus Christ. But maybe you don't have to go anywhere at all far away. Maybe you just need to walk out your door and walk down the block and go talk to somebody who might look different than you, they might smell different than you, they might think different than you. Will you be uncomfortable? Because I don't think John is very comfortable sitting in that jail cell 
And you might say to me, hey, that guy was never comfortable. He lived in the wilderness. He ate locusts. He wore camel's hair. It was itchy. He was never comfortable. But ask yourself this morning, in order to advance the kingdom of God, will you give up some of your comfort? Third, will you risk your control? Will I risk my control in order to be a witness and advance the kingdom of God? Again, I think for Americans, for all of us, control is a, it's a hard thing to let go of. Especially me. I like to be in control. I like to drive. I like to hold the remotes at my house, on the stage. I, I don't let them change it. I change it. I like to be in control. But let's be honest. When God is calling you to be a witness for Jesus Christ, you are yielding that control and giving it to him, and it's hard. It is hard to be out of control. It's like Matt Morton sitting in the lap of a grown man during Christmas. He was out of control because Shannon made him do it. He had no choice. Okay, and when we look back at our story... John lost the control of his life to a very sick and sadistic woman. I don't think he went to go confront the king knowing that he was going to lose his life. I don't know. The scripture doesn't say that. But he at least probably knew that what he was going to go do was a hard thing. And it might have a negative outcome. Maybe, maybe he knew that. But the point is he still went. He yielded that control And gave it to the Spirit. You see, you need to ask yourself, will you risk some of your control in order to be a witness for Jesus Christ? Wherever you find yourself. Here in Bryan College Station or maybe somewhere else. It's real interesting how Mark places this story. Matt read the story to you and it was pretty long, but you may remember at the very beginning of the story what's happening. Jesus is sending out, he's gathering his disciples, and he's sending them out. He's giving them authority to cast out demons and to heal people. And Jesus is saying, hey, you guys, go out and take a risk. Go out and take a risk and advance my kingdom. And then at the very end of our story, those same disciples come back, and they're sharing all these awesome things that happened. They took all these awesome risks for Jesus Christ and they're healing people and demons are being cast out. But then in the middle of that whole story, there's another guy who is taking a risk for Jesus Christ and he gets his head cut off. And I think Mark has put that there strategically to drive this point home. That being a witness for Jesus Christ... Success is not based on the outcome of the risk that is taken, but success comes from being faithful to the call. Success in being a witness for Jesus Christ is not based on the outcome of the risk that is taken, but success really is being faithful to what the Lord has called you to do and where he has called you to do it. Now this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, I am confident for every single one of you in this room There is some risk that he is asking you to take in order to advance his kingdom. And honestly, I don't think the risk is going to be that high like John's. In this country, none of you are going to go out and make a risk probably and get your head cut off. However, your response to the risk is no less important than John's response. 
If God is asking you to do something on his behalf to advance his kingdom, to take a risk for him, your response to that risk is no less important. Okay, let's pray. Father, we are grateful for you, and we are grateful for your involvement in our life. And we are grateful that we get to talk about you, and we get to know you, and we get to share about you. I pray this week that each and every one of us would be moved by your spirit, that we would take um, steps of faith to trust you and to make you known. Amen.